This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Hope you've been well. Thanks for tuning back in. This is episode 11 of the Down by Two podcast. I'm your host, Josh Elijah. To my right, Michael Fulmer. How the fuck you doing, bud? We're back, baby. We're back. Every time Every time we do this, I feel like it's been a lifetime. It's, it's weird. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. How have you been? Good. Uh, could be better. Got uh, got a couple of beers into me on the weekend, and we did. We had, did had a had a haircut in my garage, and yo, yo, as you can see, I got a little mullet going well, on. Well, we here. can't because this is audio, but uh, yeah, we we definitely we definitely had a couple couple pops on the weekend. Uh, obviously, with our uh, good pals from Yup Beer, uh, Yup Beer Super Crushable, hundred calories. Uh, definitely had a couple couple calories then, uh, but we we broke into a case of Corona. And we've been trying this internet sensation with the the tornado. Uh, tried doing a couple <laughs> nados, uh, and then and then my, hats off, Drew. Yeah, hats off, Drew Malosh. Um, uh, yeah, man, uh, those are tough. By the way, I could not do one. Yeah, me and Josh both tried the nado. And Tomatoes. essentially blew it straight up back into our faces. So yeah, maybe it's just because we're in our thirties. But Drew, of course. Pops it over his head, spins it twice, opens up his gullet. Opens and just up his gullet. right down. <laughs> He's like, boys, it's easy. Why don't you get this? And then you're like, yo, it might help if I uh, if I got a mullet. And then so you went and uh, got a mullet, like the like the guy on uh, Drunk People Doing Things. Yeah, I was going to get it shaved by the end of the night, and I didn't. And then I woke stuck. up. And then it's Monday all of a sudden, and I had to go to work with a mullet. <laughs> it's, yo, it's looking good. It's very Josh Donaldson-esque. Ish, ish. I look like I'm a European soccer player. That, that man, that's... that's that's sick too. It works. Or Joe Dirt. It honestly. <laughs> well, no, because you got to keep the. Uh, you got to get rid of the goatee, but keep the top stash. Easily, I'm actually going on a little golf trip this weekend, so I'm going to clean it up perfectly for the boys. Very nice. Where are you going? Uh, Niagara region, playing Rockway and Grand Niagara. Any winery tours? Uh, no, we're not going to mix in any of those. I don't think. Maybe <laughs> who knows if the boys are feeling Novino sophisticated. Yeah. <laughs> typically, we go right back to the Airbnb and. Do some get, natos. Get into the natos. <laughs> oh man. Well, um, speaking of uh, speaking of natos, um, we're we're back on uh, back on the beer train, heading into a long weekend. Uh, many natos probably in our in our midst, uh, but that also means that right now we are in the thick of uh, the 2021 NHL Stanley Cup Playoff Finals, and we have gotten down to two teams 
One team, I believe, if we refer back to uh, some of our earlier episodes, I was calling a back-to-back with the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, making their way back to the finals for a second straight season. Uh, But the other of which, um, honestly, nobody on this pod or any of our buds that we were talking to uh, saw them making it all the way to the finals, but that was the Montreal Canadiens as they dropped their first game in the series, 1-0. They dropped dropped the the game, uh, series now 1-0 for the Bolts. Something interesting is happening in Canada, and that's you either hate the Canadians or love them, mm. because typically you have another team, usually it's Toronto. Right now, though, even Toronto fans, and I know you're out there listening, you're, yeah. you're back in the Canadians. You're loving this team right now. Fuck. I know you are. It's nuts. Yeah. I mean, I jumped off. The, I, I quit Toronto. Yeah, Officially, I, I made an announcement to you're the boys. Done. When I said, you put I'm it in absolutely the group, fucking done. You put it in the group chat, so yeah. it is official that you are done. I just don't like anything about him. Other than I love Matthews, obviously, but I just don't like anything that's going on there. Going back to the Canadian situation, though, mm. the way they play the game, hard-hitting, they're grinding, they're just a team you, you have to respect. And I know, I've heard it from many people, it's like, they, they, <laughs> they suck you in. They suck in, it's nuts. Yeah, I mean, like, you you do, I, I think a lot of it has to do with, with Carey Price and just how phenomenal he's been. And I think that, you know, for me, I can't get, I, I can't cheer for the Canadians, I'm sorry. Like, I can't be one of those, just, eh, fucking go Canada. But, like, <laughs> it, it's like, I, I can't. <laughs> But I, I can't cheer for the Montreal Canadiens. But what I can do is is cheer for Carey Price. Or like I want to like I would not be mad to see Carey Price get a chip. So when he you're watch, so when you're watching this series with no bets on the line, you're going. You're like Tampa. I hope they score. They're yeah. on a power play. Six, Tampa. six, six, six. Tampa. Interesting. Because I care more about being right. To be honest. Yeah. Figured. <laughs> if I call if I call Tampa in the beginning of uh, or in midway throughout the season, then that's. That's who I. Yeah, I just but I know. Be right. Yeah, but here's the thing: it's not that cool to call Tampa Tampa in the middle of the season. If you call Tampa or you call Colorado, even Vegas, and that I mean, yeah, Tampa's disgusting. Yeah, I They're know. They're absolutely disgusting. It's like calling the Dodgers to win the World Series. Mm. With that being said, respect. I mean, yeah, I <sighs> safe bet, safe bet. Well, at the yeah, at the same time, I'm not watching any of these games without putting money on it too. Yeah, so. <laughs> That's and, what I and you know what? I'll I don't know. Fucking um, degenerate. <laughs> I um it would be nice to see Price win. I think he definitely deserves it. Yeah. Um Montreal. I mean I I it's, it's tough to say, but like I wouldn't be upset because it's like wow, they've they came, they overcame all the odds and yeah. and, and, and and won it for Canada. That's something you can't tip your hat to. Um I just I just don't think they I I don't they, I think this is where it stops. I know. I was saying it last night. I was at Steph and Russ catching the game mm-hmm. and uh I feel like they've been on this, like, we've got nothing to lose run. So they just play free and hard. Mm-hmm. And I think now all of a sudden they're in the cup final. And I think there probably is that moment where they're looking at each other like, holy fuck. This is the stage. Well, now we're here. And yeah, now they're going to be gripping. They're going to be gripping their sticks a little bit more. And it's like now they feel like they have everything to lose because they've come so far. So it might end up being not so much a seven game series. It might be, this might be bolts in five. It, I hope I'm fucking wrong. I hope yeah. I get that. I hope right we, down I just want to see hole. a good series to be honest. Like, man, yeah. I just feel, especially they only took, they only took the weekend off. And the next thing you know, boom, they're in like the, like the quick turnaround yeah. into the Stanley cup. And I just, I just still want more playoff hockey. So I, I hope this is just a good series. Um, Montreal, I mean, by the time this episode is released, Game 2 would have already gone down. But Montreal, you, you need to steal one in Tampa. Um, so yeah. let's let's see what happens. 
But speaking of the Canadians, uh, we had a, we had another outstanding guest on this show. Uh, man, what a treat to have this guy. Uh, had played one game with the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, ended up signing that uh, that brief contract. Uh, spent time with the Ottawa Senators, Boston Bruins, and Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, played across North America and abroad. Um, spent 17 years uh, in his professional hockey career and just recently retired. But we had Martin Saint Pierre on the show man what a treat interesting character this guy's is so well traveled man some of the stories that he had overseas were incredible i think he's played in like seven or eight different countries there mm-hmm. in, including the k yeah cashed a couple checks playing for some big time uh european uh, programs yeah what, and he's got a he's got a twig on him not between the legs he's got a serious twig <laughs> Yeah, for real. He playing with a stick bigger than he was. Yeah, I think they measured it out to being almost the size of Chara's. Yeah. Anyways, interesting cat. I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. It was um, it was great sitting down with him, um, and yeah, just a lot of interesting insights as to you know just what it's like, and and really just shedding some light on not having to spend your entire career chasing um, NHL stardom. Uh, that there's so much more to hockey that you know you can find overseas, and uh, a lot of a lot of great stories. And he, w- he wouldn't have changed it if he could have had it any other way. So definitely, definitely very interesting, cool cat. Congratulations to Martin Saint Pierre as well for uh, retiring. Uh, but it was great to have him on the show. Definitely going to have him back as well um but this is episode 11 of the down by two podcast featuring marty st pierre enjoy guys all right what can i get you hey bubs i'll get a round of uh, fun waters for me and the boys (laughs) okay what round of alcoholic seltzers for the basic bro over here wait what'd you just call me well you just ordered a round of seltzers wouldn't you rather a round of beers well, yeah, but I gotta work on my summer body, bro. Okay, okay, look, I get it. So you're looking for something light, right? Yup. Okay, something crisp? Yup. Super crushable? <laughs> yup. 100 calories, low in carbs? Double yup. <laughs> well, it sounds like you need a round of yups. I see what you did there. Is this where I say yup? <laughs> yup. Yup Beer, made with all natural ingredients and only $1.85 a can. Available in over 200 locations across Ontario. Visit yupbeer.com to find a store near you. Another banger of a guest on the show today, uh, former NHL player with stints on the Chicago Blackhawks, Boston Bruins, Ottawa Senators, and even the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, but not only that, uh, well-traveled across the world, a globetrotter, if you will. We have Martin St. Pierre on the show. Marty, how the hell are you? Great, boys. How are you guys? Good, good. Thanks for asking, man. Um, man, super stoked to have you on the show. And I think I speak for everyone here uh, on Down by Two. Uh, congratulations on retirement, uh, an illustrious seventeen-year career. Is it seventeen? Am I 
undershooting that or 17 19 years <laughs> happy retirement my man that's uh, a hell of a career uh how's retirement treating you it's uh it's definitely a change of pace uh it's, i've only i got back march 5th from uh from europe after uh hungary and then league was kind of shut down but uh i don't really have much time to uh to kind of downplay it i started my firefighter course so it's been uh it's like i said it's been a change of pace but uh, i'm trying to keep busy with uh with some reading <laughs> I, haven't yeah. done, I haven't done school in 20 years so that's uh it's a little different but i, <laughs> yeah, you know, no I, I didn't really mind the lockdown so it kept me out of trouble uh for my year in bender my career in bender <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's unreal Kevin, that's, tame. yeah exactly because i usually go to toronto or i mean i've been to london many times or where i played in junior guelph and uh, i know i have a lot of buddies that are waiting for me to to celebrate this but yeah, that's it, it's been good so far. Uh, I don't think it's I don't think it's sunk in yet, but uh, so far so good. Are you back home right now in uh, Ottawa? I am back in Ottawa. Yeah, I sold my uh, Scottsdale Arizona house last September, and uh, I was there yeah. for the last three years, three off seasons, and uh, you know the market was going up. Sold the house, and then I kind of regret it a little bit right now. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's saying that though, that's old early, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's bittersweet, but, uh, no, I'm back home. Uh, I live with my brother right now. I was mm-hmm. going to buy a place, but the market here in Ottawa, just like I'm sure with you guys, it's oh, been yeah. crazy. Uh, it's been, you know, going up way too much, too fast. Oh, so man. we're just re- renting for a year and then I get to spend time with my parents and all that stuff. So it's, uh, it's been nice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm a Toronto native and, um, you know, my, my partner and I ended up moving out here to London in September and we just caught that window because if we waited an extra month or so, we yeah. would have been toast. Yeah, it been, it's, it it's crazy. I mean, we're trying to build uh, as far as like some passive income and all that stuff for my retirement. My brother and I are building a triplex back in my parents' hometown. And I mean, it's not even worth it right now. It's crazy. The the lumber and all, and all that stuff. Uh, it's out of my league, but Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, uh, hopefully it goes down for, uh, in a little bit here so people can, uh, <laughs> get back to normal, I guess. Yeah. Right. It's, it's hard to fathom how anyone that makes an honest living can even get into the market the way it is now. It's not, it's, it's nuts. Insane. It doesn't make sense. doesn't make sense. And for me, uh, you know, leaving for eight, nine months, I kind of missed a little bit. So when I came back, it was just a big big wake-up call like a slap in the face i'm like what happened within you know the last yeah. six, to eight, six to eight months and now i'm running the mix of it so um like i said hopefully it gets back to normal it's somewhat uh you know within the next few months or yeah. i know ontario is opening up a little bit so we're, we're we're getting there yeah we're we're getting there little by little i mean it's just been so much back and forth and whatnot but now there's uh light at the end of the tunnel so brighter right, exactly. days ahead yeah absolutely um, well, yeah, you say that you're growing, you grew up in Ottawa and, uh, obviously you ended up going to, uh, going to Guelph. Um, talk to us a little bit about, you know, the young years, uh, for Marty and, and, you know, how, um, your day, your game was adapted, I guess, and then, uh, making your way over to Guelph and, uh, you know, all the decisions that went into that. Yeah. So, uh, basically where I grew up, uh, just the Eastern part of Ottawa, it's these, all these little small French hometowns. Um, and basically mm-hmm. my age group, the 1983 born, uh, it was me and Derek Roy who ended up playing for the Buffalo Sabres for quite a bit and up playing in Kitchener. Uh, it was basically me and him that somewhat came out of our, uh, our area. Um, and I was, uh, I always, I, I was a good student. I had good grades. 
Um, and I was very, very French. I could not really speak English. Uh, no yeah, it was just, I could learn through like, you know, minor hockey and just yeah. like the hockey lingo, but I was a really shy kid. Um, so I was going to go to school and, and take my, you know, NCAA school package. And, uh, we told, I played in, I planned up playing, uh, tier two, which is junior right back here. Uh, in 1999, 2000, uh, we told all the OHL teams, you know, uh, I'm going to school. Don't even draft me. Don't even worry about it. And sure enough, uh, Guelph picked me in the 16th, I think it's 16th round. There's a Bantam draft that year. Yeah. Um, and then the GM came down to Ottawa and completely brainwashed me over a golf game. <laughs> <laughs> and next thing you know, uh, within a week I signed in Guelph and uh and making my way there for the training camp that june uh 2000 and um you know it was kind of like a rookie camp but there's a lot of veterans there and i had a really really good camp and i guess that's the story of my uh training camps and being a free agent that i went there and i finally realized i could play with some of the big boys junior um, mm-hmm. and then came back to September and I said, you know what, screw this. I'm, I'm going to take, I took a school package, which is not called a scholarship here in Canada. Uh, cause it's basically illegal, but some, uh, some tuition fees and all that stuff, whatever they want to write it legally in the contracts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then four years later I was, you know, uh, had a great career in Guelph with, uh, you know, we won the championship in 2004, but, um, you know, ask any pro hockey player, doesn't matter what age, what level they played. They always say junior were the best days. I mean, you go to high school with the guys. Um, and I didn't, for me, I didn't really know where Guelph was on the map until I got drafted. And then I got there and had to go to English school. My high school was from grade nine to grade 12 with probably 400 students. I uh, went to Guelph, one of the four high schools in Guelph, which was just over 2,000 students. So that was, yeah, that was a big eye-opener, yeah. But you get wow. used to it. You kind of get in the mix and, you know, you make a lot of friends. I still have a lot of friends there. Absolutely. Uh, but those were the best days. You go on the road with the guys, uh, you know, house parties, play hockey. Uh, you know, you're not – you can't go to the bars just yet, but – you know, some guys do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? We all know and, about that. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, I'm in Guelph, Kitchener, Waterloo, London, Jim Bob's in London. I mean, yo, fucking Jim Bob's. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. That is insane. And Rest in peace. Yeah, oh, exactly. Man. So, but it's, uh, it was a good ride. And then obviously you develop as a player and kind of like the same story as when I went to junior in Guelph. I was never drafted in the NHL and lockout was 0405. So what do I do? So I took that school package and went to Dalhousie mm-hmm. uh, for five weeks and then got another phone call from Jeff Ward, who used to be the coach in 98 uh, in Guelph. And uh, he was the uh, head coach of the Edmonton Roadrunners for the first lockout. Mm-hmm. And just like happened in junior, you know, he said, you want to come and try out? And I uh, went there and next thing you know, I signed a contract. So I guess I, I guess it was, it was a weird thing, not a weird thing, but it was a blessing in disguise for me to go there and always have to prove myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe I did better than what I could have done if I was drafted or kind of take the foot off the paddle. But, mm-hmm. um, and that's how my pro career started. But looking back, you know, 17 years later, uh, like I said earlier, the golf days were, were the best. You have the billets. You don't you don't do anything. I mean, you have the you know the billet family making your food. They go to the garage grocery store. Yeah. I think my biggest event off the ice was you know uh, cheap movie night on Tuesday nights. 
you know, so right? that's, your, that's your biggest yep. expense. So, um, you know, it doesn't get, doesn't get <laughs> life's better. pretty easy back then. Yeah. doesn't get better than that. Right. So, um, but good times, right. Yeah. Junior hockey, especially in Ontario, if you're in a decent city, it's just, you're, you're a rock star there. Right. It's a, it's pretty special. It's crazy. Um, and in Guelph, we had a football team, I think, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't no Guelph storm. I think they won in 1998, the OHL. So it was kind of like still in the, in the spirit, I guess, of, of the fans. And then mm-hmm. uh, we hosted the Mem Cup in 2002. Uh, we didn't do well in that. But just in high school, I mean, the hockey guys, no matter what, they always stand out, no matter what the mm-hmm. crowd is, right? And, uh, but we got treated really, really well. And we, I, got, I mean, you hear some horror stories, but we, I was lucky during my years. We didn't have any, like uh outcasts as in like some guys that were just like assholes or pricks and all that stuff so we got treated really really well from the non-hockey people in the high school from students to to teachers uh so we had a really really cool group so it made it fun to go to school um and then we would get invited to you know like house parties from non-hockey people and and next thing you know we were just we mashed so life easier on a day-to-day basis right so yeah, absolutely. I mean, so you you touched on uh, you know the whole you know making your way to uh, to the big show and you know going undrafted as well, uh, and I, I'm assuming that's due to the lockout. Kind of walk yeah. us through what that because we were talking about that and and we it might be uh, maybe better getting it from you about how uh, the lockout affected that whole draft. Yeah, so my draft was actually 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, it was 2001, 2001 in Toronto. Um, and I was always stamped. I was obviously I'm 5'8", so I wasn't the, the biggest guy to start with, but I was always stamped from scouts um, that I didn't have that fifth speed where if you watch on TV, all those short guys, you can be, oh, shit, that guy's fast, right? Yeah. I wasn't that fast guy, even though I was a short guy. I was more of a uh, Mark Savard kind of like, delay the play, control the play, and I needed some wingers to complete me as a player. If I had some slow wingers, I mean, I wasn't going anywhere. Hmm. Um, so I would let the puck do the work. Uh, but thank God I was lucky because I had Dustin Brown as my wingers, Dan Paye. My first couple years, Dustin went to L.A., Dan went to, to Buffalo, and then I ended up Ryan, uh, having Ryan Callahan uh, as my second set from the last two years. And then Brett Trudel, Trudel who was out from the Sault Ste. Marie, went to school. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you look back, those four wingers, two left, two right wingers, they definitely completed me. Callie was a fast guy, physical guy, and also yeah. had a little bit of Cam Jansen towards like my last year. But Dustin and, and Paisy, Paisy would, you know, kill guys, create space for me and Brownie. Brownie was just a pure scorer mm-hmm. uh, and he was a big physical guy. So those guys definitely helped me um be the player that I, I became a junior but still scouts would be like uh oh, we don't know if we want to take a chance and i was i never made the under 17 never made the world juniors uh so i never got drafted and then obviously once you get never get drafted you know your drafts is, is done mm-hmm. um so then the lockout happens we won the ohl i won the playoff mvp uh which as a 20 year old overage in the ohl that's what you want. I mean, it doesn't get better than that for a no. guy that's graduating from junior. And then lockout happens. I mean, that was could have been the worst time, yeah. you know, in a hundred years for me. Um, so basically what happens is guys that are drafted, your rights still belong to those teams, but a guy like me, there's no teams to go. And 
what right. happened like in Edmonton, we had Jared Stoll and Rafi Torres, the two NHL players that somewhat were uh, young guys in their second and third year in the NHL. Mm -hmm. They get bumped down, and then guys like me that don't have contracts get bumped down. But I got lucky in Edmonton. Um, so perfect example with the lockout is I literally went to school instead of turning pro, uh, which that lasted five weeks. But that's it hurt a lot of guys for sure. Uh, guys that might have probably had a chance to go from junior to maybe the East Coast League, uh, but then everything trickled down. Right? Yeah, you got NHL. pros. You got pros playing in the A and players in the A going to the coast, and then there's no spots. Yeah, you have a you have a solid third liner, maybe fourth liner in the A. That's in year three or four. Um, that's playing first line in the East Coast because they want him to keep playing because he's developing. Well, guys like me that want to go, that would have had a spot on the fourth line in the East Coast, I got nothing. So there's a lot of guys that probably called it quits, uh, didn't get the shot that they had. But for me, it kind of worked out because I the back way um, through Edmonton, through a walk-on, signed an AHL deal, got traded to Norfolk, which is the Blackhawks, obviously, affiliate during then. Mm -hmm. And then, again, I had to prove improve and prove that i could play and next thing you know i played my first nhl game so uh, you know my path probably took a year and a half longer than probably someone that was just like oh here's a contract you made the team out of uh, if there wasn't any lockout but i don't regret anything i for anything no. it probably made me a better person a better player and as far as like character and all that stuff so um, for sure no, no regrets it's just i don't have the old draft status and never been through that but yeah I would do the exact same way that I did night in, day out, for sure. Absolutely. Oh, looking, yeah, go ahead, Josh. I was just going to say, though, obviously your path took you overseas and whatnot, and you got to see the world playing hockey, like the game you love. So, I mean, it's kind of a dream in itself. Correct. Yeah, I know, absolutely. And, um, and, but the thing, too, especially now with the new uh, rules where, you know, you get drafted, okay, at 18, you sign, you turn pro 20, uh, you belong to that organization for five, six years, you know, as far as mm -hmm. the restricted entry levels, three years, you know, you sign another two years, that's five years, the whole spiel, unless you go right to the NHL, you're like on the bubble and up and down, but guys that are had some good junior and it, it happens to a lot of guys. And sometimes it's the opposite, but the guys that had crazy college or junior years um, signed big contracts and then, Ellen just doesn't click year after year and they they can't live up to their expectations or they can't play pro basically at a high level um then they're stuck you know they can't go somewhere else to for a better opportunity to trade some teams won't take them so not against the guy it's just that's the hockey world um as for me i was able to go there make my name put up the points make relationships and then next thing you know oh you guys don't have room for me well that team dies so here i go next team so yeah you know it's not like i did like a steve eiserman i could play 20 years for the detroit red wings and not go anywhere yeah. you know what i mean um thank god i didn't have a wife family or babies or or animals during my seven years oh shit yeah that would have made things so fucking difficult yeah, yeah, but I mean, some guys still do it. But for me, it was like, oh, I'm going to go there next year. Boom, pack my bag, off I go. Right? So, like you said, kind of made it into like a dream of traveling and wild playing hockey and making money. Oh, I Like I said, I wouldn't trade it for, for anything, for sure. 
Well, because uh, yeah, so you started with the with the Blackhawks, and um, and then obviously, I guess you you got traded over to the Bruins, if that's correct. Correct. Yeah. So you were already sort of um, you're already pretty accustomed to being bouncing around and whatnot, and so when that trade actually went down, you went to the Bruins. How did that sort of affect you? Um, I actually asked for a trade. So what happened was I played. Oh no shit. Yeah, I played three years. Um, so I was, so I did the one year in Edmonton, then went two years in Norfolk and then I went up and down to Chicago. Um, and then the team moved to Rockford because Norfolk was ended up being Tampa's, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning's affiliate team. So we moved to Rockford to be closer to Chicago. Yeah. Uh, had another really good year. And then those, that was a year that like, uh, it was like Christopher Steve. I mean, we had basically all the young guys, uh, that won the Stanley Cup in 2010 with Chicago. Those are all the guys I played with us in Rockford. I mean, we were stacked. Loaded, yeah. Yeah. And for Insane. me, yeah, and, and for me, um, all I wanted was, and my roommate was bowling, like, you know what I mean? Like, I could go on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, I, I the year before, my second year in Norfolk, I got the first all-star, first all-star team center, which basically means... I was the best center, voted the best center in North America of the AHL, which um, basically means that I can play, you know, a lot of guys get called up as their centermen. So, yeah, yeah, go ahead. You'd think that'd be a guarantee to get a crack the lineup somewhere in the NHL when you're the best player in the A. Exactly. Voted the best center. And I can't remember who the other guys were, but so in my mind, I was like, okay, well, I can try to get a one way in Chicago and, back then the one ways were like 475 thousand basic salary and like no bonus just a one way which i think i earned to make a one way you know contract and dale talon's like no 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 like okay well respectfully i'll go somewhere else if you can trade me and they traded me straight up to boston for pascal peltier who's another prospect who kind of needed like me just a new uh face i guess or, or you know um the change of scenery change of scenery yeah and i think he played one year and kind of didn't really go well for him uh but he still went on to have a good career but yeah then went to boston and um then that was the year with uh, i was playing with brad marchand vladimir sabaka johnny boychuk tuka and net um so basically Fuck again that te- that team was 2011 i think Yep. All the older McQuaid, all those young guys that won the Stanley Cup, that was the year when I was in Providence that were like all the first years, you know. So I kind of got the they got the Blackhawks young guys that went to the Stanley Cup two years later and then uh and the boss and the Providence guys, but and again it were, it worked out. We put up a lot of points. We went to the conference finals, you know, Bruce Cassidy was our assistant coach, who's obviously now in Boston. Um, I obviously got to play with Tuca, you know, Marshy was my roommate on the road too. So it was, you know, it, it, I probably wouldn't have that experience if, like you said, if I was stuck with one team and kind of just bouncing around the minors and knowing I'm not going anywhere and just collecting my paycheck. This is kind of like a fresh start trying to prove myself. So I was saying earlier, it's just something that, you know, you have fire under your your ass every training camp. Yeah. You're like, okay, well I got to redo it again, but you know, it kind of gets old after a while, but when you're in the mix, it's, uh, you know, you definitely don't take it for granted. 
Well, now that you mentioned, obviously, then going overseas, and uh, I guess your first shot is what was, you know, what is now considered the KHL. How did that actually come to be? When you said you ended up, you know, you get that opportunity, you're just like, okay, well, I'll go play for this team. How did that initially get there and then put that bug in your ear to, you know, maybe that there's more than just the NHL? Yeah, so basically, I didn't even know what the KHL was. I knew there was a league in Russia that paid big money, cash, <laughs> yeah, yeah. all that stuff. Um, and what they do there, and, and you learn really fast what they do, is they just give you a call, or the, one of the GMs on the teams goes to a North American agent or that's linked to a Russian and say, hey, I need a small or fast uh, playmaker, uh, top two-line center. Okay, I need a big right winger, right shot, physical, can score kind of thing. And then they go around and be like, okay, well, Martin St. Pierre is kind of like on the bubble. He's, he should be able to make it to the European League. And then they'll call you and be like, hey, you can make this much amount of money you're interested. And at that time, I was like, well, I did Chicago three years, did Boston, um, you know, so screw it. I'm going to go. So I took the money. And then um, I think that was the year where I bounced uh, after Binghamton. But yeah, I did. I think I did three, three years or three, uh, three teams in one year that year. I did Russia, Finland and Austria with Red Bull. But, um, that's basically what they do. And then you get there and you're like, okay, I can do this. I can't. Um, and, um, I think my first thing I, I had a hard time cause I didn't really know Russian, um, didn't really know what to expect. I just literally followed the money, which is kind of not the right thing to do. <laughs> you know, you're in mid twenties and you're like, Holy shit. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Um, some guys can, uh, I just wasn't ready mentally at that point, which I was ready three years after but uh during then but that's basically how we got uh how it happened in europe and then you get exposed you're like oh you know and talk to some of the imports there and oh where'd you play oh i played in you know sweden or i played in germany and you're like wow there's a different world overseas okay you know yeah from uh for hockey make guys make a living for 10 15 years there it's just uh if you can get past the whole i want to play in the nhl i want to be playing in front of my buddies back home or on TV, but I'd rather set up my future for the money and travel and stuff like that. You're laughing, you know, it's yeah. tax, tax free money too. Right. So I was going to ask that. So when you went to the K and you ended up being on three teams that year, so do they offer you, it's like a guaranteed one year deal. Is it weekly pay? And then when they're done with you, they're done with you. Like how do, how does the contracts work? I try to look up what the money's like and, what the guarantees are and whatnot. I heard, I've heard a lot of different stories on that. Uh, now it's better because the KHL is more structured like the NHL. Uh, you get bonuses, but my first year it was just like, you get money in brown envelopes and, you know, do what you want with it. You know, um, you might get <laughs> stolen. So it it's it's, it's <laughs> typical Russian, but, yeah. um, uh, no, now they wire right to your U.S. account. It, you know, it's very well done. So that's one thing. But then again, uh, it's 56 games, uh, the regular season schedule there. So sponsors throw a shitload of money. Um, you have only five imports. And nowadays, a lot of younger prospects from North America go there. So it's it's slim to none the chances that you can get there unless you have a good agent. And that's basically what it is. But once you get there, you need to produce like you're, you're there not to be a shutdown defenseman. You're not there to just fight people. You're not there to be a good leader off. Base. You need to score 
and you yeah. need to be on the power play and you need to be a game changer. And if you don't, uh, three, four, five games, you know, you're in a slump, they'll buy you out like this because they have the money, right? It doesn't matter where the money comes from, whether it's mom money, whatever, sponsor money, they can <laughs> replace you. They have a list of players that are right behind you. And nowadays, a lot of the younger guys will come in for cheaper. So you're making a big bucks and you're, you know, you just can't play the Russian stocks. It's a different style. It takes a while to get used to it, but um, they'll replace you right away. So I did, it happened to me twice. The first time I was like, this sucks. Like I'm a bad (laughs) hockey player. But the second time I was like, all right, that's fine. You guys don't like how I play. Give me my money. And then you just go to a different country and things are back to normal. So Russia is definitely a, kind of a blessing then if you play 20 games and you're like i hate it here yeah. you play like dog shit you pay they pay you out for the rest of the games then you go exactly. to switzerland and <laughs> sign a contract there that's a dream that is correct so <laughs> now they kind of caught on like guys they used to give a lot of money up front um so you'd sign i don't know like say 500 000, um and you're still in ottawa and they'll give you like i don't know a hundred thousand up front and then so basically your salary is four hundred thousand. but you get there and you're like I already made a hundred thousand, so I might get you know, the fuck up. Take a yeah. month and then shit the bed and then give my rest of my money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I know many guys that have done that. It's I mean, it is what it is, but uh they don't do that anymore. Uh this is yeah, like I'm talking like two thousand six, two thousand seven. I know guys that got a lot of like six figures, like big two, three hundred thousand, and they got there, they're like I don't within like, like a week they're out. Yeah. Within a week, and what are they gonna do? The money's already in the US account. But if you want to make a career out of that, you don't want that reputation. Uh, yeah, you know, this guy's just there for the money. And that's another thing, too, when you go to Russia is you really have to show them that you want to be there. You just can't be like a Russian hockey player from Russia coming in North America. And he's just like, doesn't give a shit. Kind of, you know, he just think he's this kind of that. And that that rubs off a lot of people the wrong way. Yeah, very fast. Right. So um, it's kind of the same going there. Like so, you you talk a, uh, a lot about how the style to Russian hockey, obviously, and, and hockey overseas is different to the NHL. Um, obviously, there there are huge differences. What are some of the ones that stand out the most that you notice as soon as you got there? Yeah. Um, Aside from the like language barriers and whatnot. No, no just on the ices, there's no dumpings. Uh, you don't dump the yeah. puck. Have you ever guys seen the uh, Russian Five or Fab Five? Yeah, on it's Netflix. The Russian Five, amazing. Yeah. So just keep cycling back, yeah. Yeah. So you see, if you watch it again, you see like Larionov and like Fedosov and or no, it's not Fedosov. Popov or whatever. They just like drop the puck. They drop the puck. They'll make yeah. plays and like they know exactly where they are. Um, that's basically what you have to do. So if you're again, if you're there, you're checking for, but you can score goals, but you can't handle the puck and curl back and then curl back and then make a play you're done i mean yeah. unless you can adapt quick but the guys it can go the other way too the guys that um oh, were like east coast players hl players never got a sniff in the nhl but that's them because they're, they're like the good guys that play shitty hockey in the summer and you're like geez this guy can play in the nhl right but they go over mm-hmm. there and they are fantastic yeah right there's yeah. many guys that could do that. So you're making minimum salary in the East Coast. Next thing you know, you're making a million bucks just because it's the style of play. So it kind of goes the other way too, where those Russians come here and they have to play more structured and they're completely lost. Most of them can 
handle the structure. But, um, yeah, I think my first couple of games, like, you know, get to the red line, you know, to do dump the puck and then you get to back to the bench and they're just all over you. Like <laughs> there's no dumping here. Right. Yeah. So you're going to, they might, they might be five across the red line. I played, I used to play when Yashin was playing for locomotive. I think their, their system was really five across the red line and you come in and you're like, what? like no what way. Yeah. And then they'd wild. be like, yeah. And they'd be three <laughs> at the red and two at the blue. And just like this trap of just not, it's a wall. Right. But just, yeah. they just have these crazy ideas, but that's Russia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so basically like our power play would be like, there's no side away wing. There's no coming back. It's just basically a flying V of just dropping the puck, dropping the puck, but they're so good one-on-one and like deking, like, especially if you watch Tampa, like Kucherov, when he gets the second drop on their PP and he was the last man back and he just shaking big skies and gets to the oh. blue and sends it out. They're all like that. So take like, man, pick, you know, pick your poison. They can all do that. And they're 18 years old and they can do that. So it's that's that was the biggest thing on the ice, um, and like the language barrier too on the ice, where it's like there's if you're playing with Russians, there's a lot of like pointing and like mumbling and like you know. So if you get lucky, you can play with some imports. Obviously, speak Swedes, Finns, Czechs, Slovaks. Uh, mm-hmm. They can speak a little bit of English. That makes life easier. But it's just you gotta hold on the puck. That's the biggest puck control. Puck control is uh, is probably the biggest thing I noticed in Russia. Is that probably is that the case to an extent throughout Europe, not just the KHL? A little more control. I feel like that would suit your game a little bit because you're you're a creator, right? And you're offensive. Minded. Yeah, yeah. I love. I mean, I hate guys that dump the puck. I understand why a lot of guys dump the puck, especially in North America. But I would say like Finland and fin- Sweden's very defensive. Uh, Finland's very North American style, more physical dump the puck, crash and bang kind of thing. Um, lower lately, like when I played in Hungary, Slovakia, Germany, Switzerland's very skilled. Um, mm. It's a little bit of both, but that's why sometimes you'll see like exhibition games. You'll have like a German team that plays the lower league in the KHL and they beat them. And you're like, how does that happen? Right. It's just a completely different style. Or you'll see like the top seed, that same lower team in KHL mm. and the top team in swiss that khl team will spank them and you're like how did that happen again right it's just a completely different whether they play a two-on-two and then you have these guys that just hold on the puck hold on the puck and you can have these big 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 defensemen that can't stop and start and pivot yeah if you're in the train track you're absolutely they'll take your head off but if you cut back and cut back and cut back and then do like the whole russian five they're completely lost right yeah they'll be spinning but put them in the Swiss league and it's a little bit more structured. You're, you know, they're, they can be the top defensemen. So it's it, every league is completely different. I feel, but you just, like I said, you get there, you have to adapt quick. I think that's the biggest, uh, yeah. Adjustment. Yeah. Not a whole lot of time to adjust to that new playing style, especially if, uh, if, if you're, you're not producing, there. you're out, they're bringing the next import. Yeah. That's the thing. You get to figure it out real quick. Then you're off to Romania or whatever the fuck is next. Whatever yeah. is next. <laughs> yeah. In, northern russia yeah yeah out of all the out of all the places you played you know across the world across europe what um where did you honestly have the most fun in your career like give us some give us some stories like what what definitely sticks out the most and this, pa- this past season uh my team just outside budapest in hungary was uh was awesome budapest i don't know if you guys ever been but it's i've heard 
<laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Um, uh, and we were in lockdown, but I've been there before when I played in Croatia. If you guys ever get a chance to do the Croatian coast, uh, Budapest, Zagreb, Croatia, Belgrade, Serbia, it is top notch. Uh, Budapest is probably one of my top two favorite cities, but mm. I have fun in Slovakia. It's more like Czech, like a different uh, Russian style. Uh, I would say probably Russia was my best time. Mm -hmm. uh, but as far as more normal, uh, Salzburg, Austria was fun because it's just beautiful. It's in the mountains, a lot of capsules if you like the history stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, Switzerland was, you know, it's in the mountains, you're in the vineyards. Uh, we were just on the edge of uh, Lake Geneva, so you can see France across the lake. Um, sick. You know, so it's just, it's so sick. It's overwhelming. When my dad came to visit, my brother came to visit Slovakia, but. You know, you get out of a building, you see a castle from like the 1400s, uh, or like my dad came to visit, we had lunch in, uh, in Lausanne, took a ferry for an hour. And then we're in Evian in France where like the water bottles, like the Evian, like yeah. the three mountains and it's right there. So when, you know, and that's an hour. So here, you know, Guelph to London is an hour and you're still in Ontario. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No shit. No, fuck. <laughs> So, um, you know, in Slovakia, we'd hop on a train and you're in Prague, Czech Republic. I mean, it, you know, it's crazy. The, uh, it's big, but it's not that big. So, um, Man. Shanghai was awesome. When I played Kunlun, we played in the KHL. We stayed in, we, we weren't playing in Beijing. We were in Shanghai and that was, that's probably my favorite city to <laughs> in yeah. the world. Yeah. <laughs> Besides Moscow, it's, uh. Yeah, Pretty like, wild. Budapest is completely different, but I highly recommend Budapest. Yeah, well, I mean, it, and you look at your career, and and you know, it's like okay, you could play like rural America. You're like eh, Columbus, Ohio, or go make some more money and play play overseas. Like that is honestly, it's a, it's an incredible story. But you um you obviously you you made your way back though. You made your way back to the to the NHL and and got a chance to play for uh for your hometown. Now I want to know. Uh, or getting to play for Ottawa. Um, I mean, you spent a lot of time with their AHL affiliate, but um, you also had that game with Montreal as well. Like, what do you hold in higher regard uh, playing for the Senators or playing that game for the Canadians? Yeah, um, I get that question asked a lot because when when I grew up, the Ottawa Senators only came in the NHL in 1991. Mm -hmm. uh, so my brother was born in 86, I was born in 83. So my dad had season tickets I think for six or seven years at the old Montreal Forum. And from our hometown, which is east of Ottawa, like a good 20, 30 minutes east. So it's, it's, uh, it, yeah, it's an hour and 15. It's very easy to, uh, to get there. Yep. Um, so we would go basically right after school, right? Um, when I played, when I signed in Ottawa, that was cool because the, uh, the captain of the Binghamton Center is Denny Hamel, was a good buddy of mine, uh, got me there. And they actually got, I got three games. Uh, but I grew up a Montreal Canadiens fan. My whole family, all my buddies back home, they're basically Montreal Canadiens fans. So mm -hmm. playing for the Ottawa Senators was cool. You know, I got the three games, got to play in Ottawa. Everybody came to see. But yeah. uh, then when obviously went to Europe, came back, and I, I felt like myself, uh, you know, there's still something missing. Because when you want to go to Europe, you want to be like, okay, I'm 100% done in North America. I don't go on elite prospect and see who got called up and who got mm -hmm. sent down and compare myself. Right. Uh, and I was still doing that. And I was 28. So when I was 29, uh, after my last Rockford year, um, 
I switched agent with um, to Pat Brisson. So I was training oh, with Claude Giroux, and he did that too, Danny Breer, that summer. Yeah. And uh, I told my, um, uh, I told Pat, I was like, hey, like, I'm a minor leaguer. <laughs> you know, like, Claude speaks very highly of you. Obviously, I know who you are. Um, and Mark Bergevin was the director of player personnel for the Blackhawks when I had my best years in Norfolk. So, um, and it's, Hockey World is a big old country club. Everybody knows everybody. And uh, so I told him, I said, hey, can you get me to Montreal? I know I'm going to be playing in, in Hamilton. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not expecting to play 20 games in Montreal. But if you can get me one game to play for Montreal in Montreal, I'll be forever grateful. And then I can pack it in and go to Europe. Uh, he called me back five minutes later. He's like, I got you a two-way. Uh, he's like, I can't guarantee you the game in Montreal. But he's like, you're, you'll be in Hamilton. At least you'll be part of the you know, part of the team. Um, so I got there and everybody knew that like, the coach Sylvain Lefebvre knew why I was there kind of thing. Like, yeah, yeah I want to have a good year in the A, but the word gets around, like, you know, he wants to get a game. And I think it was November 15th, 15th or in February. It's one of those two. I keep mixing my first NHL game, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. they scratched uh, David Darnay, uh yeah. for one game. And then uh, he was having a slump, and for some reason that week, I was like, I know I, it's got to be coming, but they can't be scratching Darren A. Like, yeah, that doesn't make sense. And yeah. then the two nights before, I was with the girl that I was dating at the time, and she's like, she doesn't know anything about hockey, but she's like, why don't they scratch him, right? And obviously, <laughs> he's a short guy. He was a center. And sure enough, that next morning, the uh, coach called me in, and he's like, you'll get your game in Montreal. You're leaving that 1 o'clock. I'm like, wow, that was sick. That was sick. Yeah. So yeah. within uh, within a day, within half a day, uh, you know, I think my flight was at two. I got there for dinner, and then I see you no know, pregame skate, and then was uh, playing that night in Montreal against St. Louis. So I had to tell my brother, my parents, the whole family, the whole basically all hometown. Get your ass out of rat race finding tickets. Yeah. It was, yeah, I can only get so many tickets, but uh, a lot of them had season tickets. Okay. Uh, a lot of them had buddies that had season tickets uh, from our hometown. So uh, next thing you knew, next thing you know, in warm-up, I was like, oh, I know this pretty, oh, that's my cousin. That's, you know, everybody's up there. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Fucking right. Oh, did we lose you? Oh, shit. This never happened before. All right, we're good. So where were we? It's a good thing we got our producer here too. He knows what's up. Yeah. Um, sick. So so yeah. Sorry. I guess where we dropped off was um, you know, you're warming up over uh, for your for your uh, for your game with the with Canadians. Yeah. So um, the yeah. So the morning skate was pretty uh, pretty overwhelming. I was sitting between Placanic and Pacioretty, <laughs> and uh, during that, I don't know if you ever seen that. They were doing like the Montreal twenty four seven. So it was basically like the the yeah. big brother on, uh, but they had cameras everywhere. Kind of thing. They had cameras on your face, they had cameras in the ceiling, basically in your stall. So anything you could say, you pick your nose, boom, it's on camera. <laughs> so, but it was basically like a Hollywood movie. You know, the only thing that they, the only where that they would go is um, in the bathroom, basically, or the shower, yeah. right? Um, so that was pretty cool to do the pregame skate. You know, Carrie Price is sitting across me. You look at around the dressing room. 
Uh, and then I, I think I slept maybe for five seconds for pregame meal, for pregame, uh, pregame nap. And then, uh, yeah, so then get to the rink. Markov was there, you know, just super nice. Everybody came to say hi, even if they saw me in the morning. Um, just basically like, you know, good luck. They knew I was only there for a game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, even Darren, a, I put against him in the minors. He was good about it. But, uh, yeah, warm-up was uh, flew by 20 minutes, felt like 20 seconds. And then uh, Michelle Terry was pretty good to me uh, because in the third period, uh, he gave me a shift on the power play. Oh, no, uh, sick. Yeah, wow. Yeah, with, uh, with the big guys, with PK and uh, Lars Eller. And I think was there. But uh, it was only for a few seconds, but just the fact that I was on there. And then after, at the end of the game, uh, Bergevin pulled me out. He's like, you know, we're going to send you down tomorrow. He's like, you finally got your game kind of thing. But he was really, I mean, you know, I've known him for years and years and years, but the fact that he did that was nice. And then Michelle was like, uh, you know, did you like, did you like the power play in the third period? You know, he's like, I did that for you kind of thing. <laughs> so, did you guys end up winning that game or? Uh, we lost three, one, I think. Yeah. But um, just the whole experience was, was magical. And, you know, yeah. I, I don't have a favorite NHL team to cheer for now, but I'm a big fan of Montreal, especially when they play in Montreal, the whole like pregame light oh, yeah. show when they put, they zoom in, zoom in on Kerry Price when he walks out of the tunnel. So I can kind of relive that. Yeah. I'll get yeah, goosebumps sure. every time. It's, it's pretty cool. And then actually, oh. if you go watch the game live, it's on another level, but now there's barely any fans, but yeah, uh, that was, I was probably the pinnacle of my career. You know, playing my first NHL game in Dallas, that was cool. Obviously, it's a dream come true. Mm-hmm. Uh, Score my first goal against Fleury in Pittsburgh. That was obviously up there yeah, too. Was but crazy. for me to, you know, Ottawa is obviously nice because I'm from here. But I grew up, you know, I saw my Habs jersey when I was a kid. My brother was the same. Uh, playing one game in Montreal, that was uh, that was the cream of the crop for me. Kind of brings everything full circle, right? It's- yeah, That's it's a, crazy. It took me yeah. 10 years to, to do that. So um, after that season, I was ready to go, you know, set myself up for my future as far as make some money, travel. You know, obviously my number one priority to go to Europe is to to play hockey and be successful. Yeah. But um, you play less games. You have Olympic bri- or uh, national team breaks during the season. You get to, you know, to travel. Like I said, you hop on a train from Bratislava to the Prague and you're in four hours you're there you can go you know, Italy or Budapest I mean yeah. I can't say <laughs> spend a lot of time there Budapest. yeah 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 no yeah. shit no it's oh, cool man. and even in even in Germany I mean you can be in in Berlin um you know I know we're in Salzburg um we were just on the on the border of the German border and you go on the Autobahn which is basically like the the 401 um and there's no speed limit right mm-hmm, so you right. go there and the closest starbucks for us was in uh in munich so we'd hop on the car on a nice day get on the highway and then go sit at the starbucks and uh check out the scenery yeah you know, at starbucks <laughs> but yeah. you're in germany right yeah, i yeah. was just in austria an hour ago and now in munich germany it's really 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 cool and there's a lot of guys that played more nhl games but didn't get a chance to you know, to live in Shanghai or to, you know, live in Russia or experience that. So can't take absolutely. it for granted. That's for sure. An absolute globetrotter. Um, but one thing that we do have to ask you about 
about all this is uh um especially with kazakhstan because you were able to play for kazakhstan how did that actually come around did you, do you have um uh, uh, yeah. do you have kazakhstan blood as well no nothing um so when i was in croatia my first year uh which is i think it was after Montreal. yeah it was after hamilton um had an offer there. They're their second year in the KHL. Croatia doesn't have a lot of money as far as compared to Russia. Beautiful country. One of my favorites in Zagreb. The team was called Medvedchuk. And I uh, just got a call and they say, like, you know, I think that because they were the first three years, the league um, told them that they can have as many imports as they want coming. And there's a lot of Canadians that have Croatian blood. Like, Grandpa's a Croatian, This especially in Toronto. And there's a lot of you know, but they still have their passport, and we needed to have five Croatian players on the team, basically. Yeah, five North Americans. <laughs> <laughs> it was basically an older AHL team in Croatia playing in Russia, which that was awesome. Um, yeah, yeah. And I had a, I had my best season in the KHL there. Um, and I ended up playing with Peltier, the guy that I got traded for Boston. Oh, no Chicago. shit. Yeah, yeah, no way. Talk there. about going full circle. Correct. Holy. Yeah. And uh, I got approached by, I was still with Pat Brisson, and then it's just hard with them, time change. So that's why there's like a middleman. Mm-hmm. And uh, I met my own middleman uh, who ended up being my Russian agent. And he's like, hey, like, we can get you this, we can get you that. And a lot of them talk a lot, but he had uh, contract in front of him dealt with them in the summer and next thing you know i was uh i signed nestan at kazakhstan now it's called nursultan kazakhstan but um and then end up meeting you know guys like nigel dawes dustin boyd uh kevin dalman who was like a legend there who ended up mm. who was my defenseman in my first year in guelph so mm-hmm. there's another full circle right yeah Fucking crazy uh, what happens there is if you play two and belarus is the same I don't know about Latvia, but not not Finland, definitely not Russia. But I think it's, it's Belarus and Kazakhstan that if you play there for two full seasons, you can get your uh, passport, which basically for the team means that you want to be there, you want to stay there, you're not just coming, you know, one and done kind of thing. Yeah. But also for you, um, the team wants you there. They know that you want to be there, and you know if you have some good seasons, you'll sign for for longer, I guess, some extensions. Mm. And uh, I never got to play for Team Canada by any means, by any league or at any time. Um, so to play on the World Championship twice, represent a country, um, mm. that was pretty cool. But, um, yeah, so after a year, I got to apply for my passport. And then we were f- five or six North Americans, one Swede that wow. had our Kazakh passport. So And they st- they're still doing that, uh, which is smart thing to do. Um, but it's definitely, uh, it's not as hard as what people think to get a Kazakh passport, but you definitely need <laughs> I kinda to, want one now too. to yeah. like, <laughs> but there's, there's a guy that's hired just to do that. So, um, so do you yeah. maintain your citizenship there now too? Yeah. So basically it, as crazy as it sounds to get a Kazakh passport, it's literally changed the flag beside your name on elite prospect. That's basically what it is uh, I don't, you cannot carry <laughs> your pass, you cannot carry a kazakh passport and a canadian passport um so basically i always travel with my canadian passport uh they showed me my kazakh passport and that was it uh but my flag is half canadian half kazakh and then uh so when i went to play <laughs> yeah so then if you look at the 
um, the Kazakh from two years ago and then like four years ago. That's half the guys are Kazakhs, but that's basically what it is. So it's just it's just for hockey. Basically, it's nothing about money. It's nothing about uh, we can't buy anything there. It's just, it's nothing illegal. It's just basically we're a citizen now. We've put our time in the country uh, with the team, and then we're allowed to play for the national team. Yeah, and then they call you into the fucking army, and the next thing you know, you gotta go. <laughs> yeah, I think I'll do that. <laughs> oh man! Well, uh, look, we uh, before we let you go, we we definitely um, we gotta ask you just about the whole log stick thing. Um, yeah, you know, pl- playing with a stick as 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 big as he is, um, like man, like you uh, basically adopted that. I'm, I'm assuming at a younger age, and like, how does that give you a leg up and uh, what it does for your game? Yeah, so it was basically 2002. Uh, we would get. Because we were hosting the Mem Cup and we had all these stick reps, East and all, all you know, whatever company you wanted, come in and be like, oh, try this stick, try that stick. Um, but we couldn't, uh, helmets, gloves, and pants, we had to, it's all team attire, right? And I think we were Bauer, I think, at that time. Mm-hmm. Compare like like the AHL, CCM, and Reebok right now. Um, then it's basically free. So for a junior team's budget, our equipment guys like take all the sticks you want, right? Yeah, yeah. And I ended up getting uh, a yellow one piece uh, Eastern Synergy, the yellow grip, kind of like what Marty St. Louis had. Nice. Uh, it was a Modano curve, I think, or I used a Korea curve or something like that. And I tried it, and it was the first time trying that, a one piece, and the puck just literally took off. And I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> what? Yeah. could be dangerous. Okay. But the, yeah, but the lie wasn't the, is the right curve, but it wasn't the right lie. So, and back then we had these long ex- wooden extensions, like I mean, six inch or eight inch or whatever. So I just went through a phase for probably for that Mem Cup that summer, probably for another two three months the season after. Um, and I was playing well, so the team's like, "Okay, we'll get you those sticks." I just kept putting longer, 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 and longer. And before you know it, if I was to stand on the ice to you know listen to the drill, my stick was beside me on skates. I would literally hold my stick like that. Like it was, <laughs> I mean, crazy, crazy, crazy long. Um, and then I just kind of like lost track. And at one point I was like, this is ridiculous. But the, I was able to snap the puck. I couldn't really slap the puck. Uh, one-on-ones were not, you know, it's easy to poke because my puck is so far away. Yeah. Or even cycle in the corner. But if I had room, I could make plays that the angle that the defenseman or the goalie would come at me. Yeah, I could reach out and it would change the angle. So I was, and it worked with my playmaking skill. And you see in the vid, yeah. you know, the ice the way that I did. And then I got like I think I had 110 points in the OHL, like that whole. So I had success with it uh, when I turned pro, and then I went to Edmonton. And it's it's an NHL. It was an NHL. I don't know if it's the same, but it's 63 inches. So basically, from the heel, they put a tape all the way up top. It's 63 inches. Mm-hmm. There's like Chara, Al McInnes, and then there's like three other guys that had NHL exemptions to have it longer because obviously they can't. They they need it. Yeah, they're And huge. I had a black uh, marker line on my stick the first training camp. But uh, the first day that I got there, it was like you cannot. And it probably stuck out like that much more over the black line. He's like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> that like, is so nuts. Yeah. And then he's the like, you got to cut these me. because we get fine and all that stuff. And I really had to 
cut it down and I it, it felt obviously it's three in, two and a half inches shorter and then I kept like putting just a little bit longer longer and thank god that season I played 45 games in the east coast and the trainer there didn't really care um and then during that season I got called for only 18 games and at one point he's just like just do what you want you know because you're not yeah. a full time and they're not really going to check so by then I kept mm. putting it back and then sure enough I put it back to six, 65 and a half I think inches and then I had success my first two years three years and then when I got traded to Boston my stick ended up being beside Chara's and his was like 66 I think and mine was like by that time it was like an inch shorter and it was like okay this is kind of ridiculous but I have I'm playing well nobody's saying anything but everybody would be like oh St. Pierre the one with the long stick right so yeah um, that's kind of stuck with it for I want to say at least uh, six, seven years pro. And then when I got to Europe, what I was saying earlier about the no dumping and patrol and like you got to cut back and cut back. And then I hit a slum and I was like, you know, screw this. I'm cutting my stick and I cut it like five inches. Yeah. And, uh, and then now I have a really short stick. I kind of got used to it, but it was good for like poking surprising guys that you have like a Google gadget arm kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, oh, shit. But I would always score like low stick side or high glove side, especially when Crawford was when we started, because I could pull away the puck. So if I saw two inches, that meant I had like four inches. Right. Right. Um, no. Now I still have that mentality with my shorter stick and I hit the goalie in the pad, but I'm like, oh, I wish I had the long stick, but <laughs> it's pros and cons. But now you know, it's definitely a con, but uh, it lasted yeah. for a while. Yeah. And then uh, I remember I used uh, Z stick in Boston and practices for a slap shot. But he, mine was 110 flex, just like a short, that small shaft, but his was 130 flex warrior. And it was like a steel beam. I mean, I don't know yeah. how he shoots some bands. I mean, he's like 260, but yeah, um, mine was a wet noodle compared to his, but. That's where the that's where the stick started and it made the legendary status. But I have yeah. one left at, I have one left at home when I score my first NHL goal. Um oh, yeah. and it's with my stick that I played my thousandth game two years ago in in, uh, in Bratislava, Slovakia. And wow. it's ridiculously long. Uh, I grab it now. <laughs> my blade is a very, very straight, uh thin blade, but I mean once you get into it you kinda get caught up in the moment and you don't realize how deep you can go into things yeah uh, there's not a chance that i could use it now not a chance but back then that was my uh that's crazy that thing. at yeah. the highest level playing with like like it just unfathomable long yeah like yeah. cartoonishly exactly. long yeah <laughs> um now you think back you're like oh maybe if i had a shorter stick maybe i would have worked you know, because I was straight-legged, bent over. So maybe if I had a short stick, maybe bent my knees lower, and I could be more of a skater. It, you know, there's all you think of it, and then you're just like, you know what? Screw it. I made it. I had fun. I yeah. don't man. Anything and don't change it. it. Don't it regret is. it. Yeah. Don't change a damn thing. You had a hell of a career. I'd yeah. argue that's the the funnest path, professional path I've heard. Like, yeah. seen it all. Seen it all. Basically, yeah. I mean, net. All kinds of people, all types of hockey birds and coaches, yeah. you know, whatever you want to call them. So, that's um, fantastic. Yeah, it's been a good ride. So now, retired life and drink some beers. Yeah, well, once cheers, again, well, cheers hey, to that. Cheers to that, my cheers man. Cheers on a great career. Absolutely. 
Once again, that's Martin St. Pierre. Um, it was absolutely fantastic to have you on the show. Uh, would definitely love to have you back as well. Um, absolutely. Let me know, Yeah, it was a pleasure to have you on. <laughs> yep, there it is. Episode 11 in the books. Uh, thanks again, Martin St. Pierre, uh, for jumping on. Uh, definitely, definitely going to have him back. Uh, that was an absolute treat. Tabernacle, tabernacle, <laughs> French Canadian goal scoring guy. Yeah, no, he was, uh, it was fucking sick. Um, look, I just wanted to quickly jump back to something that we were touching on, uh, earlier, uh, just with, you know, the Leafs. I don't, I don't, I don't want to talk about it too, too much, but a lot of people, yourself including, uh, are, have renounced their, their Leafs fandom. Um, is that something that's going to stick? Because, uh, I, we were chatting, uh, I was chatting with my, well, good pal Jesse Justin, and uh, feels like a lot of a lot of people are going to be pissed off now. But then, you know, next season they're going to start playing incredibly and capture everyone's attention again, and then everyone's just back on the wagon. Is this something that sticks, or at least fans just fucking fed up at this point? I'm done. I swear. <laughs> now I've done this before with the Lions, mm-hmm. but I got I got I don't I got no side piece for the Lions. True, because the lines are they're right across the border. True, true, it's not true. like I can go north to it. I mean, I could go Bills, but yeah, yeah. no, I I think it's gonna stick, and I I just don't. Well, I know it sounds greedy because they do have a great roster, but the way they paid these young guys, and I feel like they just felt like I feel like they were given the keys to the city before they did fuck all. Yeah, yeah, it's fair like I, I look at the Blackhawks and Taze and Kane and those guys, and they came out and they won cups. Mm-hmm. And then they got their big tickets. So, like, these guys were given max, max money before they even won a series. I just, I'm disgusted as fuck. I mean, it's it's now, you know, postseason for them or, um, you know, the postseason is now done. Uh, they, what, they brought back Spezza. They, they just brought back Simmons as well. Cap wise, like, they can't really they can't make do much. much yeah. yeah. So, it's it's um, going to be. Yeah, I, I I was gonna say it's gonna be interesting, but it's is it? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much more. You never know. I guess they can make some serious moves, but from what I gather, the cap is gonna restrict them from getting too creative. And you know what? At the end of the day, you did lose Tavares. Muzzin was dinged up bad. Who else? They brought in Felino. They gave up a first rounder for him, and he was a shell of himself because mm. he had one leg. So I I don't think he got the I don't think he got the Leafs that he needed to. Uh, yeah. So I'm probably a little emotional about it still. I'll be end up fucking cheering for them. Who am I fucking kidding? No, I'm not, boys. I'm on the fucking Wings wagon. I grew up watching the Wings Wing Cubs cheering for the fucking shitty Leafs. Now I'm going to cheer for the Wings and they're no fucking good. It's perfect. <laughs> oh, man. This is a fucking disaster. Don't drink too many yups before you have a oh. breakdown on your fandom. Sorry about that. <laughs> Ah oh, shit! You know what though? We're gonna have to we're gonna have to do a wrap up uh, for for the Stanley Cup playoffs and for this season for hockey and whatnot, and just do some reflecting. Um, maybe have another hockey player back on and uh, just just talk overall, like just you know postseason and you know maybe some sort of insights going into uh, the uh, the upcoming season, what teams need to do in order to bounce back and retool. But um, well, down the pipeline, I think wink wink, we might have someone to come on and. And help us break that down. Yes, yes. Stay tuned, though. Stay tuned. We'll uh, we'll definitely. I'll uh, hold my tongue. Yeah, yeah. We'll drop a hint a little bit later. Uh, here's another one for you, though. Our next episode coming up. Woo! 
really pumped for this guy. Uh, is this one just hits a little close to a little close to home? Uh, definitely, definitely pumped to have this guy on. Strong safety for the Los Angeles Rams. Terrell Burgess sat down with us. Uh, we understand that that football right now isn't quite in season. Oh, everyone's ready for gridiron talk. That's though. fucking it's, it's cool. A, that's 365 Ooh. days a year, motherfucker. Yeah. Teabag oh, came on. <laughs> Teabag, baby. Uh, yeah, man, just uh, just great guy all around. You know, guy's young, coming off an injury, uh, but he's fired up for this season. Rams, the new look Rams with, with uh, Matt Stafford at the helm. Um, yeah. And you know what? That was a huge trade because, you know, we're talking, uh, we're talking both of our fucking quarterbacks being swapped. Your your Lions Stafford and, and my Rams Goff and uh, two new teams, two teams now that would have different looks. Yeah, it's a it's a tough one to watch Stafford walk. Yeah, but uh, you know what? Goff, Goff has something Stoke to prove, to and he got a short end of the stick there. But yeah, fuck you, you got my boy. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, we had Terrell Burgess uh, going to be. It's going to be a great episode, so stay tuned. Uh, other than that, make sure you like, share, subscribe, all that good shit. Heading into the long weekend, um, be safe, enjoy yourself. Uh, shout out to my man Birdman, aka that good kid, always mixing up something fresh. Um, just gotta gotta make sure you shout out the ones that we that we work with here. Um, fucking love doing it uh, for you guys. Uh, peace out, be safe, um, have a great weekend. Cheers. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. everywhere the imagination dares it's for the open-minded the pleasure seeker it's jeff woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality theme-based with special guests the blue hotel hotline at every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story 
get a room and listen in at the Blue Hotel. Begins Friday, September 23rd.